Looking for a new show to dive into? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like the full season of FX's epic limited series Shogun, FX's new international spy thriller The Veil, starring Emmy and Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss. And don't miss the all-new crime series Under the Bridge, inspired by shocking true events and starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man whose jams are hotter than a $2 pistol. He is the captain. Well, thank you very much, Pistol Pete. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Today we are drinking Bone Hook Pilsner from beautiful, beautiful Naples, Florida. Garage grade, three and a half bottle caps out of five. Captain, I was down at the Bone Hook Brewing Company just a few weeks ago. I was in there undercover sampling the different beers. Mm-hmm. And I say, if you are in that area, be it for vacation or something else, you must go to Bone Hook. It's a fun place with lots of great Bone Hook beers. And while you're there, try the Pilsner. Bone Hook, you say? Yeah. That was my nickname in college. Well, how about that? And today's round of beers was brought to us by, first up, we have Jay Tallruth from Sweden. He's a regular poster on our blog at truecrimegarage.com. He says, Captain, the True Crime Garage Army is very, very strong over in Europe. Let's let the Winter Olympics decide that. And a big thank you goes out to Miguel in Odessa, Texas, and a shout out to Anne and Lucy in Palm Harbor, Florida. Oh, Lucy, I'm home. And a big We Like Your Jib to Brindley in Henderson, Nevada. Thank you to Taylor in Nashville, Tennessee, FYI, home of this year's Crime Con event. And last but not least, a long distance cheers to Jesty in Melbourne, Australia. So thanks to everybody for the cold beers for this week's show. If you want to help us out with next week's show, go to truecrimegarage.com and click on the donate button. And if you haven't got your CrimeCon tickets, check out crimecon.com and use our promo code TCGarage. All right, Captain, that's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime.
911, what is your emergency? Uh, I'm at a friend's house. Uh, he's out of town, and I came here to check on the flight, and she's dead on the floor. Okay. Uh, the address okay. is... Okay, stay on the line. Oh, sir, hold on, yeah. stay on the line. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Okay, you're doing yeah. very well. Good job. Just yeah. a moment, we're going to connect you. They're going to ask yeah. for the address. MLSM Fire, what is the address of the emergency? 21034 Jarvis. All right, repeat the address one more time for me. 21034. Police and, uh, and, uh, and a body okay. picked up. Okay, you said 21034 Jarvis? I'm sorry, 27034. Okay, and repeat that one more time. 27034. Four. Road. Okay, and is that a house or an apartment, sir? The house. What's the phone number you're calling from? Tell me exactly what happened. Uh, my friend, uh, Teresa Siebers, she's a doctor. Uh, I'm a doctor. Uh, she uh, came home uh, last night. Uh, her husband is in uh, Connecticut, and uh, she was supposed to go to work at 9 o'clock. She called me, and I was on my way into work, so I swung by, and she's dead on the floor. <laughs> And there's a hammer at the side, and she's bashed in the back of the head. Okay. All right. Stay on the line with me, sir, okay? Yes. Stay on the line with me. Um, Sheriff's Office, are you on the way? Yes, we are. Okay. All right. And so you said you're a doctor? Yes, I am. Okay. Are you with her now? Uh, I'm outside of the house because I don't know if there's anybody in the house. Okay. All right. So how old is Teresa? Uh, she's 50s. 47-ish. All right, sir. And is she awake? No, she's dead on the floor. She's okay. cold. And she's the back of her head is dashed in, and there's blood everywhere. Okay. All right. So I do have paramedics, fire department, also law enforcement is on the line with us. Okay, they're going to be going out, okay? Okay, um, okay. So I want you to stay on the line one moment. Be sure yeah, I'm going to stay here until I get here because, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if anybody's still in the house. Okay. All right. Was right. Is to stay on the line, okay? The sheriff's office has questions, and they're going to yeah. continue on what to do next. So okay. Yes, Sir, are you inside the residence then? No, I'm not. I'm standing in the driveway. Okay. And then when you walked inside the house, you said the blood was dry, or what did you say? Yeah, half the blood is dry, half is wet. And she's cold. She's dead cold. Okay, and there's a, the hammer sitting next to her, and you had left it, and did yes. you touch anything? No, I did not touch anything. I touched her, I shook her a little bit, okay. and she's dead cold. All right, one moment. You're doing really well. So the last time you had seen her is what time? Uh, probably two weeks, three weeks ago. Two or three weeks ago. Okay, and you said she returned today. Uh, I don't know when she came back, but she was supposed to go back. Uh, she was supposed to go to work today at nine o'clock, and her husband called me from Connecticut to say she didn't show up at work and she's not answering her phone. And he checked her. Uh, uh, he tried calling, tried calling. He, he was going to call her mom. And he said, uh, if you're swinging by, can you swing by? And I knocked on the front door, and nobody answered. And the lights were on. I could see her purses uh, on the countertop. 
and she didn't answer. I pounded, pounded, and he gave me the key code to get into the garage door. I opened the garage door, and, and the door leading to it was open. One of the dogs ran out. I don't know if he left or not. And, uh, and I walked in, and I just opened up the door, walked in the door, and she was on the floor. And there's a big bash in the back of her head. Okay, is the vehicle at her house or no? The vehicle is at her house, yes, in the garage. The garage door was closed. Okay, and when you left, did you left the same way you entered, or did you leave the front door? No, no, no. I just, I, I touched her, and I just freaked out, and I walked outside. Okay, when you walked outside, did you walk out the front door, or did you walk back out no. the garage door? Back out the garage door, and I, uh, I closed the door because the dogs were in there. So I did touch the handle. That's all right. You just went through the, I'm sorry, I, just a moment. Yes. So you went, I'm sorry, you just um, went through the front door or the garage door? I'm, I'm very sorry. Would you through, say to I went through the garage. Okay, the that's garage fine. Door. And you entered the, you exited the same door. That's fine. Yes. Um, and, all right. Yeah. Okay, and so the, you were there because they asked you to take care of the house, is that correct? Uh, Mark, her husband, called me to say, uh, please, uh, can you check on her because it's not like her not to show up to work and be late. Okay, so, uh, and I know you told me before, but when, um, after he called to check on his wife because she wasn't at work? Correct. All right, and... and I only talked to him once. Okay. And he, he, gave me the, he gave me the code number. He sounded a little, you know, whatever. And he received a call from work saying she wasn't there? I, I, I don't know. Okay, that's fine. You know, he's, he's her office manager. Oh, she's the office manager of his business? No, he's the office manager of her medical practice. Okay. Yeah. And where is he right now? I believe he's in Connecticut. That's what he told me. Okay. And you didn't see anything else? I mean, other than... No, I didn't. I didn't go in the okay. house. I mean, I'm afraid somebody's in the house. I mean, okay. somebody killed her. Right. I mean, it's a murder. Right? Uh, She's bashed in the back of the head. Okay. You know, I I can't see her falling or anything like that. I just, right. I just looked and I thought, my God, you know, she's my friend. Right, exactly. So, you're doing a really yeah. well. You're doing a fantastic job. You you did a sure. great job. The de I, you know, the deputies are in route, and so is the ambulance. Yeah. And you're doing a fantastic job. I'm sure they're going to have a little bit further, um, you know, more questions and everything for you. You're doing great. Okay. Okay. All right. I just oh, let them know that uh, you're outside. Fire guys are the fire guys are here. Okay, great. And, uh, yeah, go, let's go. Yeah, she's dead. Okay, she's go dead. ahead. Go ahead and hang I up with me. Don't. don't hang up? No, go ahead and hang up with me, okay? Okay. Goodbye. All right, bye.
You just heard the 911 call, and then later the news came out that a mother of two identified as Dr. Teresa Ann Seavers, 46 years old, was the victim of a homicide in Bonita Springs, Florida. This was on the morning of June 29, 2015. And the Lee County Sheriff's Office authorities were asking for anyone who had heard or saw anything in connection to this to call them. Now, Teresa was found on Monday at 9.45 a.m. after the Lee County Sheriff's Office responded to the 911 call from the neighbor. Employees at her office, this is the Restorative Health and Healing Center in Estero, said that she didn't show up for work on Monday despite having patients scheduled to see her. Neighbors said Teresa was a loving family woman and they wanted answers. They are now left asking who could have done this to her. Kimberly Torres lives next door and said an investigator came to her house three hours later and told her that her neighbor had been killed in a very gruesome manner. And again, the cops are asking for any suspicious activity to be reported. At the same time, authorities also advocate basic safety precautions to everyone in the area, especially persons living in the immediate area. This including locking doors to homes and to vehicles. So now we have to wonder why was a mother of two killed and by whom? Here's some background information regarding the victim. Now, Teresa Ann Grace Tottenham was born November 19, 1968 in Derby, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. She was the daughter of John and Mary Ann. She was the third of four children. Teresa had a sister and two brothers. Uh, She would graduate twice as a valedictorian, first from high school in 1986 and then from Fairfield University in 1990 with a master's in science and biology. In 1996, she graduated with honors from Ross University School of Medicine. She completed her residency at the University of Florida in Jacksonville, where she was awarded resident of the year, then became board certified to practice medicine. In 2003, Teresa met Mark Seavers. Mark was a nurse, and at this point, Teresa was a recently divorced doctor. They met in 2003, and it was a quick courtship. They were married not too long after in St. Petersburg, Florida. Mm -hmm. Then six months later, Mark and Teresa had their first daughter. Then after the couple moved to Bonita Springs in 2006, Teresa opened her practice and was on staff as well at the Naples Community Hospital. For those of you not familiar with Bonita Springs, well, it's sort of wedged between Fort Myers and Naples, Florida. There's a lot of 4 p.m. dinners going on, if you know what I mean. In 2007, what does that mean? <laughs> there's a oh, lot of old people. Yeah, there's a lot of old people having dinner at 4 p.m. And I thought it was like a sexual thing that I, I didn't know what you're talking about. <laughs> a lot of 4 p.m. dinners happening. Oh yeah, you that's know what I mean? yeah, that's some uh, oh, slang term sex- you didn't know about. Not sexual at all. It's just no. a bunch of old people eating dinner. Yeah, and and maybe that's sexual to some people. In 2007, they had another child, another daughter. Mm-hmm. And then Dr. Seavers practiced, um, she practiced holistic medicine. Her motto to her par- patients was, I'm passionate about empowering you to tap into the doctor within you. In her free time, she strongly supported local charities, giving back to the community. In 2008, she became directly involved with a an organization called Our Mother's Home of Southwest Florida. Mm-hmm. And she was a teacher to teen mothers and their babies. 
Well, her practice was interesting because it was kind of a blending of Eastern and Western medicine practices. Now, with a husband and two kids, why was Teresa home alone? Where was the rest of her family when she was attacked, when the attack occurred? Well, as we heard in the 911 call from the neighbor, the husband, Mark Seavers, called the neighbor asking him to go and check on Teresa. The neighbor says on the 911 call that Mark is in Connecticut, or at least has told him that he is in Connecticut. So a little timeline of what was known early in the investigation. The neighbor was correct in his statement to the 911 operator. The Seavers family of four, Teresa, Mark, and the kids had been in the state of Connecticut. In fact, Mark and the two daughters still were in Connecticut when it was discovered Teresa had been attacked and killed. Teresa had family in the state of Connecticut. The four went there as a vacation and to visit with family. Some mm-hmm. people might think this is a little strange. I do I do not think that uh, it's strange that we have them traveling separate. There was some event, some family event on that Sunday in Connecticut that they did not want to miss. So rather than miss this event, Mark and the two daughters attended this event while Teresa prepared to leave going to the airport and flying home on that day on June 28th, Teresa sends a text to her husband saying, call me when you're on highway and know where you going now at some point, And I'm sure a lot of us have done this. I know I have Mark may have accidentally tried to FaceTime his wife because she texts Teresa texts back to him, right? I'm not FaceTiming an airport, I assume, was by mistake as we just hung up. And to which Mark Seavers then responds, yes. Mm -hmm. So that evening, Teresa boarded a plane. She flew out of Connecticut. She landed at Southwest Florida International Airport. On the Sunday. Yes, Mm -hmm. Sunday night. This would have been late at night, arriving at the airport around 1030-ish that night. Mm-hmm. When she lands, she then calls Mark to tell him that she has arrived safely. Teresa is then spotted on airport surveillance cameras walking through the airport and rolling her bag just behind her. According to the timestamp on her parking receipt, she departed the parking garage at 10.55 p.m. Now, it's about a 25-minute drive from the airport to the Seavers' home. She drove her van home pulled into the driveway, opened up the garage door, and parked the van inside the garage. And we're assuming she shut the garage door. Yes, she closed the garage door. Now, it was at 9.15 a.m. the following day on Monday that Mm -hmm. Dr. Teresa Seavers, she's not shown up to work by this time. She already has patients that have supposed to have seen her. Right. So the office calls her husband, Mark. They call his cell phone. And they say, hey, she's not at work. He's, he seems alarmed, and he calls the neighbor. The neighbor, this is his name is Mark Petrates. He goes over to the home, and he finds Teresa Seavers dead on the floor and a hammer beside her body. Mm-hmm. He, he calls 911. Now, the people living in Teresa Seavers' neighborhood, they are all in a panic uh, after they've been told what had happened. They've been, they're being asked by police, if they have seen anything, heard anything, you know, the police were asking about any suspicious behavior in the neighborhood. If anyone had heard any dogs barking late that night. And of course 
they're asking all these questions of, of the neighbors, but they're not being told anything other than that there was a murder and it was gruesome. So they're, they're pretty panicked right now. They're, they're wondering it was this a break in. And if so, are their homes and their lives in danger? Right. Is there some kind of madman on the loose? Tuesday morning, the day after her body was found, a sign was placed on the office door of Teresa's practice. Mm-hmm. And the sign read, Attention, with much sadness, we are to inform our patients that on 629.15, Dr. Seavers has passed away. With all due respect, we ask everyone to minimize the questioning as it is still under investigation. Prayers and donations are more than welcome to her family, as anything and everything will be grateful at this time of sorrow. We appreciate your understanding and patience, as the practice is still at a standstill temporarily until further notice. We are acquiring physicians to transition all of Dr. Seaver's patients, but at this time we have a doctor extending his professional courtesy temporarily for emergency medication purposes only for the next 30 days. Dr. Seaver's office is open for phone calls and messages, but please allow 24 hours for a response. All right, so Sunday, Dr. Seavers gets back. Monday, her neighbor finds her. Mm-hmm. Tuesday, the cops were there Monday. The cops were there Tuesday. Family returned Monday night. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much where we're at. Right. And the investigators, like you had said, Captain, they were there all day Monday, all day Tuesday. Detectives returned Wednesday morning to continue the investigation. At that time, they had called in the Southwest Florida Criminal Justice Academy members, a team of academy members, to help them comb the area. They were seen combing through a high grass and land area at a park across from the scene. Then at this time, the Lee County Sheriff's Office, they were asking neighbors to remain vigilant. And if they have seen any suspicious activity to please report it. So this is two days after the bodies found, they're asking the neighbors to remain vigilant. You know, mm-hmm. that that's, that's scary. They've not presented them any information. Right. But as an, as one of the people in the neighborhood, you'd start assuming that they're uh, the angle that they're proceeding with is that it was a break in. Right. Yeah, because they, they keep asking the, the neighbors for information. The people, have you seen anything? Have you seen anything strange since then? But we have no sign of forced entry. Correct. Now, also on that Wednesday, employees of a home security business arrive on the scene as well, and they spoke with detectives. Neighbors and media had spotted these people from the home security company not only talking with detectives, but entering and exiting the Seavers' home. From talking with people in the area, a nearby neighbor, this is what the police had gathered, sorry, from talking with people in the the area, a nearby neighbor, Damon Laporte, uh, said that he had heard arguing Monday outside. He said that he noticed, he also had noticed a red car in the driveway, in the Seavers' driveway twice last week, and he had never seen this car before. There are other reports of this arguing or yelling that, that this man had heard. And from what I can gather, there's a there's a bit of a loose time frame on what time this would have been for the arguing and the yelling that was heard in the area, but it would have occurred between the hours of 5 and 6 a.m. Monday morning. So 
just about four to five hours before Teresa's body was found. Seems like there's more questions than answers. Let's get right back to this after a quick beer break. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. It is an absolute hit. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Like countless crazy tournaments, you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Or timed events, offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out BetterHelp.com slash garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL Learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners, 
Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem and it's called lunch. Some days I need a pack of lunch and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, cheers, mates. We're back. We are back, Captain. You said it perfectly right before the break there. A lot of questions, not much answers. And I wonder, you know, I have to think to myself, what questions I have? What questions do you have when we look at this thing just after days into the investigation when we're not being told anything? Well, the obvious question is, is this a break-in? Yeah, yeah, I I think so. You know, you have to wonder several things. One, how did the attacker gain entry into the home? And two, what would be the motive? You know, did someone break into the house and Teresa comes home unexpectedly, startled the intruder, and then is attacked and killed? And right, but we hear our argument that Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So she comes home Sunday night. That means she'd be alive the whole time when the intruder's in the house until Monday morning. Well, maybe a break-in in the middle of the, the night. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and what was the time of death? We don't know that at this point. Right. And you also have to wonder if, you know, could somebody have followed her home, saw her walking alone at the airport or driving alone? There's several three, four lane roads on that route. Mm -hmm. You could pull up to a stoplight, look over to your right or left and see a pretty woman driving beside by herself, follow her home. Right. And all we know from the 911 call is that her body is cold. Mm -hmm. This is coming from a doctor, so we don't know how you know, I don't know how long it takes for a body to become cold. He says that her head is bashed in. Mm-hmm. Um, does he mention the hammer in the nine one one call? 
Yeah, he does. And, I, and I'm glad you bring this up because this is where I think we have to go from here. When we don't have any information, I think we can look to this 911 call and see what we can gather and piece together. So as you said, he finds her, the neighbor finds her dead on the floor. Right. He He's calling from the driveway. Uh, by this point, he has fled the house. Right. Uh, he states that he did see the hammer laying next to her. And he, he says that half the blood was wet and half the blood was dry. Okay. In his opinion, this is interesting too, because we have, you know, an ex kind of an expert opinion. It's not the same as, you know, myself running into this scene and discovering the body. This is a person that kind of knows what to look for and probably can describe these things better. He knows what to look for as far as, you know, the medical side of things, but Mm -hmm. he's, he doesn't do autopsies and stuff. I no. I'd argue that, um, we'd have a little more knowledge of looking at a crime scene than well, maybe this individual would. Yeah, he he does. Now, but question for you. Go ahead. He leaves the house. Yeah. Would you would you leave the house? Yes, and he yeah. states specifically that he left the house because he wasn't certain if whoever had done this was still in the house. Well, and he's clear that she's dead. So I don't fault him for, you know, she's dead. There's no point of him staying there in the house if the intruder is still there or intruders. Well, and I think we can assume this, that we know he touched her, right? Because he says that the body was cold. Right. So we know that by his own admission, he touched her. So there's a chance that he he saw her lying there. Mm -hmm. His first reaction as a doctor, somebody that's able to help, is probably, let me check her pulse. If she's still alive, I'm going to stay here and try to rescue this person. Mm -hmm. You're right. He touches her. She's cold. No pulse get out of there. Yeah. One thing that was smart by this, uh, the, the, this poor guy that happened to stumble upon the scene, uh, he exits the home the same way that he came into the home. Yeah. So he's not going to contaminate the area anymore. Well, that, everything he touched, he was able to tell the nine one one reporter, even though she wasn't really paying attention to anything he was saying. Mm-hmm. Now he states that he, he had started by going to the front door, knocking several times. Mm-hmm. This was after he was contacted by Mark, who had told Mark, or had told the neighbor, that he had tried calling Teresa's phone several times and nobody answered. He says that through a window, he could see Teresa's purse on a countertop. Mm-hmm. Mark then gives the neighbor the garage code. He gets in to the garage and he says that the van, their van is parked in the garage as he would expect. The door to the house is unlocked. And he went in, when he went in there, he states something about one of the dogs got out. Right. So she's attacked in the home and they have what sounds to be two dogs or maybe more dogs because he says one of the dogs ran out. So one big thing that that tells me just personally here, I'm going to kind of eliminate the break-in theory. I find that the break-in theory to be very unlikely after applying what is gained from the information provided in the 911 call. You know, mm-hmm. the, the thought that maybe there was a break-in and is interrupted when Teresa comes home and then she's attacked, uh, the, the, break, the intruder attacks the homeowner. My first thought would be what I would consider to, to be an obvious problem with that theory. First off, if you're an intruder in the home after dark and Teresa comes home, you have you have fight or flight, right? 
I would think that flight would be the most likely by far for several reasons. One, it takes a special kind of low life to kill someone. So just in choosing fight instead of flight would be a smaller percentage. Then we know that she parked her vehicle in the garage. So unless this intruder is making a lot of noise in the home, they would have heard the garage door, this giving them some kind of extra time to flee. And you would also, you would also know what entrance the person or persons returning to the home would be entering. So you could flee through a different exit. If you heard the garage door or, you know, someone is arriving at the home, but you don't know how many people, you know, the, the, this is all seems more reasons to run rather than to stick around and, right. and hold your ground. Yeah. You don't know if you know, it's a group of football players that live there unless you case the house. The other thing that seems strange, Captain, and I don't know anything about these dogs, so I'm not going to pretend to know if they're giant dogs or little mm-hmm. dogs or if they're the most friendly dogs in the world. I have no clue, but there's what we believe to be two or more dogs in the home because we can get this from the 911 call. The dogs don't, they weren't attacked. Um, they weren't locked up. Right. So the intruder seems to just be chilling at the house with the dogs. It's just... It seems very unlikely to me that she returned home to startle somebody and then they're startled to the point where they attack her. Yeah, more plausible that somebody followed her home. I mean, somebody could have been just at the airport, sees this, um, she's small. I think she's only five foot something. Like Maybe well, it's just five foot. Yeah, like I think she, uh, someone had stated she was 4'11". Yeah, so she's small. She's an attractive woman. And so somebody could have been following her home and she's obvious obviously alone right and what i mean by that is if you view the footage of her walking in the airport it's not even like you there's nobody even walking anywhere around her that you could mistakenly think they were with her she's yeah but she's alone alone right a lot of people would assume that this uh lady is going to be picked up you know somebody's going to pick her up from the airport that's normally what happens but her car was parked there so they could have followed the car home from the airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have to risk it if you if you do follow her. Is she returning to a home where there's somebody waiting for her? Yeah, you know. But it's as simple. She opens the garage door. You see no other cars. You know, there's your end. Mm-hmm. Now the neighbor says that this is murder. He says, you know, this was a murder on the nine one one call. So obvious to him, she was bashed in the back of the head, as he states. The autopsy findings that was released would reflect what the neighbor had told the 911 operator. Now, the autopsy is long, graphic, and frankly, when I can find them, I I do read them, but they are always very hard to get through. Uh, We don't need to go through everything here, but I'll give you a summarized version uh, with only the necessary details. Um, Teresa was found in the kitchen of the home, on the kitchen floor. Now, the neighbor says in the call she was hit in the back of the head. So I kind of assumed from the call that we were looking at maybe a possibly a sneak attack. Maybe she was hit from behind and she goes down and it's a, a, a one deadly hit type situation or the hit from behind, she goes down and then more hits to complete the job. No, from from my eye here, and you got to keep in mind, my... My eye has only been trained here in the garage. It's an untrained eye. And it's infected. It's 
<laughs> he has pink eye. Du- double pink eye. Double pink eye. From what I read in the autopsy, Captain, Teresa saw the attacker coming at her um, uh-huh. because she was struck many times. And it, it doesn't appear to me that the attacker was able to hit their mark, so to say. Um, she was she was moving, uh-huh. is what I believe. And she also attempted to block these strikes at her. There was bruising and marks on her left shoulder and even more bruising and marks to her right forearm. Like she put her arm up to kind of guard herself or shield herself. Right. While the scalp area would appear to have been the attended target from the autopsy, but due to the struggle, she was hit in the face and near the ears a couple of times. Eventually, the damage was done to the scalp, though. The The medical examiner uh, also received the hammer that was found lying next to her. It was described in the autopsy as a black hammer with a red handle. There was a good deal of blood on the hammer, and there was dark blonde hair found wrapped around the handle just under the head of the hammer. Right. She was hit 17 times, and judging by the size of the hits and the damage done in comparison to the flat side of the hammer head, it was the hammer that was found next to her that was used in the, the attack. Yeah, which is not likely all the time to to find the, the murder weapon right beside the victim. Yeah, and left at the scene. You know, um, very strange that this item wasn't taken with them. And now police were able to determine that the hammer did not come from, it didn't belong to the Seaver family. It wasn't like a disorganized killer showed up unprepared and grabbed the first thing he could find when she returned home. Well, that I think shows premeditation. We have to, I want to give a lot of credit to the Lee County Sheriff's Department for several reasons. And, and, and I, you know, I don't want anybody to be weird about this because I know it's sad that you have to give praise to people for doing their job, but we have, we have to, because we have certainly seen plenty of cases, captain, where for whatever reason, a law enforcement agency didn't follow procedure. They botched the investigation or this is the one that really bothers me the most. They just did a lazy sloppy job. And I, my feeling is captain is that's not the situation here. My friends, what I, what I see early in this investigation is, is lots of thorough work being conducted by a smart and organized law enforcement outfit. Mm-hmm. They roped off the scene and re- they remained there searching and processing the crime scene for over a week. This producing evidence coming from inside the home. Obviously at one point they were spotted carrying out a door from the home. The door appeared to have been covered in possible, uh, possibly fingerprinting dust. Right. It was reported to the local newspapers and TV stations, people having witnessed technicians arriving and taking saliva and hair samples from the Seavers dogs. At one point they had the whole entire neighborhood blocked off. No one gets in, no one gets out. They brought in teams to comb the area in a grid search They went door to door conducting interviews, thus getting the possible tip about the red car. And then the noises or the argument heard coming in the five to 6 a.m. hour. Lee County was also questioning members of both Mark's family and Teresa's family during this week's time, trying to turn, trying to determine who had done this. 
There was also they were also questioning people at Teresa's medical practice and people in her profession. So other doctors, people that had worked for Dr. Seaver, and this included patients as well. Now, some things started to stand out from these interviews. The first is while Teresa was extremely smart, hardworking, dedicated to her job and her patients, right. she was, uh, I want to try to put this politely. She was a pistol. There you go. Yeah, she was a tough cookie. She was, she was known to yell and get loud with some of her staff from time to time. It sounds like she was quite bossy with her husband, Mark. Right. Uh, and this was a little surprising. She was even, she was even known to have raised her voice from time to time at some of her patients. Yeah, but okay. So, you know, she is uh, a businesswoman. She has her own practice, right? So mm -hmm. she is a driven individual. So my point is, is that if it was a man doing that, he would just be considered driven, right? But sometimes people paint her in a light of that she's a little bitchy, right? But Yeah, like, that word was thrown around a little bit. And like I said, if if she was a man running a business, they wouldn't call her bitchy. They would say that. They wouldn't call the guy bitchy. They would say he's driven and he was a go-getter. That's what she was, you know. Well, here's the other thing, too, and I, I, I think we have to weigh this against her, let's say, bossiness or, or how direct she was from time to time. Right. I think direct is the right word that I want. I weigh this against it. She's she's in the medical profession. She's mm. dealing with serious business, with serious issues. People's lives could be on the line, maybe not in this hour or this day, but eventually half those people are probably, you're either seeing her because of one of two reasons. Either A, you want to s remain healthy or B, you are currently unhealthy and in need of attention. Right. So I think there's no there's no mincing of words with her. I think she's just saying, hey, look, we can keep you healthy we can, or we can make you healthy, but you need to do this, and you need to do this and this. Right. And if you don't do these things, I, I can't help you. I can't make you do these things. You mm -hmm. know, you the old you lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink thing. And same thing with her, the, the people that sh worked for her. You know, they, they said that she was, they didn't say she was a bad person. They just said no. she was a firecracker, you know, that she wanted things done right. She wanted things done her way and in a timely manner. And if but that's also why she was number one in high school, number one in college, and she has her own practice. Right. Yeah. So I, I think these are all traits that can be, uh, where some people might say they would be harmful and you know, that maybe she didn't have a good bedside manner about her. Uh -huh. I would also argue that maybe when you're dealing with this type of business, uh, life or death situations, sometimes people need a little tough love. They need direct stern people to guide them and direct them. And hopefully it works and keeps them healthy. Now, one strange coincidence that they came up with. And one thing that kind of stood out regarding these these investigations and interviewing some of the people that had worked for her, worked in her field and her family. Uh -huh. And this, this is Sandra Hoskins. Mm -hmm. She worked for Teresa and Sandra had been described by Teresa at times as a disgruntled employee. Dr. Teresa Seavers and Sandra didn't always see eye to eye and they weren't really getting along at work. 
And Sandra's husband, this is Frank, his name is Frank, had worked for Teresa as well. He had actually been let go just months before the attack. Mm -hmm. Sandra and Dr. Teresa, in fact, having such a rough time of it getting along in the office, Sandra was planning to turn in her resignation on the very same day, on that Monday, that the doctor, that Dr. Teresa Seavers was found dead. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's uh-huh, a little suspicious. Very strange. Well, and so if it's not a break in, right? Right. We have to look at who was she close to? Was there any motive? Again, like you said, investigating the patients. There could be a disgruntled patient. There could be a disgruntled employee. Maybe mm-hmm. it's Sandra. She was going to turn in her notice. And also the husband. Now, the issue with the husband is we have alibi after alibi because he's with his kids and family in Connecticut. It's like 13, 1400 miles away. Well, right. But on top of that, you have all these eyewitnesses. Right. So Sandra, the employee and Dr. Teresa, they're actually not getting along to the point where this was brought to the attention of the police by patients. So patients going into the office could recognize that these two were not getting along. Right. So that's when the police, they decide to bring in Sandra and her husband, Frank. They're brought in for questioning. This is on July 3rd, so less than a week after the murder. Now, her husband, Frank, when he was questioned by police, they wanted to know if he had ever had a sexual relationship inside or even outside of the office with Dr. Teresa Seavers, his boss. Right. Now, we do have to mention that both Sandra and Frank, they were cooperating with police. They weren't, you know, standoffish. They didn't even hire an attorney. Uh, They went in there and they answered their questions. As are Mark Seavers and his family and Teresa's family. You know, Mark even gave the police his cell phone and his computer, turned them over to the police upon returning from uh, the trip to Connecticut. Well, one of the reasons why they asked Frank, that, which used to be like an office manager mm-hmm. for Teresa, did you have a sexual relationship with her? You know, we have two married couples, right? But when they get them, when they get the phone records and they get the um, computer records from Teresa's husband, Mark, it comes out pretty quickly that they don't have the traditional marriage. It's kind of open. Yeah, they're also kind of swingers so they're, yeah they're uh, kinky individuals uh yeah by all signs and at that point i think you know the cops are probably going well this opens up a lot more possibilities yeah for motive yeah well obviously an affair any type of affair going on is going to bring up the possibility of motive you know and what the motive would be whether would it be the the boyfriend attacking Teresa, or would it be the husband, the jealous husband finding out? But, but the or, thing yeah, is, but you could be swinging with another couple that somebody got mad mm-hmm. that the wife got mad or, I mean, it just opens up a lot of possibilities. So where I can't say for certain that this, this question threw Frank for a loop. Um, I think that it was very well orchestrated by the police. This was something they were probably intending to ask anyone any man that had a close 
relationship with Teresa, yeah. whether it be working or just friends. Maybe, but I, I also think because he was fired and they're probably trying to get down to the bottom of why he was fired. Mm-hmm. And also Frank is a handsome man mm-hmm. and he was also uh, in really good physical shape. So maybe that they just assumed like here you got these two attractive people. She is an open marriage. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this wouldn't put it, um, wouldn't put it past her because as far as her, the rules of her marriage go, that's not out of bounds. So it just might be out of bounds to his. And now that gives double motive for Sa- Sandra, right? right? Right. She wanted to quit the job. She's going to turn in her notice. And all, by the way, her husband slept with her boss. And here's the thing, Captain. You bring up a, you present a very interesting angle that I wasn't thinking about. When you said that he had been fired when Frank had been let go, I believe one report I read stated that he was fired by Mark Seavers. Right. Uh, just so we should probably clear this up here, just in case anybody's wondering. Doctor Teresa Seavers, she's obviously the doctor. She's she's the practicing medicine, right? right. Mark Seavers, her husband was a office manager. He kind of ran the office for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this would have made him, you know, you office if, manager, as far as, uh, the building, probably security of people, but not like running records and stuff like that back and forth. Yeah. So you have other people working there, Sandra, you have, uh, Frank working there as well, but these person, these people would have also been working under Mark Seavers as right. well. Right. Um, so the thing here is we, and we should also be clear that because we were kind of dancing around this and, and talking through it at the same time, but just so everybody is clear, Frank was not sleeping with Dr. Teresa, right? They, they did not have any type of relationship other than a working relationship. Well, Frank and his wife, which both worked for the Seavers, didn't know that they had an open marriage, right? Or that they did any kind of swinging mm-hmm. at all. So I think that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we get a bunch of letters about open marriages and swinging, look, every couple that every couple and their relationship has kind of different set of rules and guidelines mm-hmm. that the relationship creates. So I'm not going to try to speculate at all. What, what was in bounds and out of bounds. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, because obviously close people that worked with them didn't even know that they had this uh, type of relationship. So it'd be tough for us to, uh, because there's a lot of rumors and we can get to this a little bit later, but there was also rumors that Mark had multiple girlfriends. Yes, he did. Right. And you, there's a lot of text evidence of this. The problem I have with, them saying that therefore that is motive for the husband, which we know is mm-hmm. so far away. The, my problem with it is, was that in bounds or out of bounds as far of his as far as his relationship went? So they have released. I mean, they the state of Florida, they have released like ten thousand text messages back and forth between uh, Teresa and Mark. We're, and we're going to read them all tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be, <laughs> be three four. hours of texting. I'll be reading the part of Dr. Teresa Seavers 
and the captain will be reading the part of Mark Seavers. Mm-hmm. So tune in. I can't. I bet you can't wait. It's going to be hot. No, <laughs> steamy. No, we're not going to do that. I only br- I only brought that up because uh, while you say that he had other relationships, now keep in mind this appears to be an open marriage at at points of this marriage. I want to be clear about that. It doesn't appear that this was going on throughout the entirety of the marriage, but at portions of their marriage, they had what appears to be an open marriage, meaning that they both had other relationships. And not only did they both have other relationships and the captain brings up Mark having possible other girlfriends or other encounters with women, let's say, um, it appears through those text messages. And it's, it's actually quite obvious that Teresa knew about these other women that, that Mark communicated to her about them and about things that were going on. And not only did she know about them, it also appears from her text that she was not only just okay with it, but at times may have encouraged it. Yeah. But she, this whole situation is, is a little odd. Cause again, I've never been in an open relationship. It's not for me. Not something that every I time I'm single on, I'm, I'm in an open relationship and <laughs> <laughs> I'm single. I'm in open relationships. The door is open. Um, but I've had friends. I've had friends, uh, a good friend of mine out in LA. Of course it has to be a LA. Thing, there you right? go. Um, but they were together for a long time and then it was like, we're going to try this open relationship. Mm-hmm. And it seemed very, <laughs> I still remember him saying, well, we can do this because we're so mature. And I thought, okay, well, let's see how well this goes. Right. Um, but it went well for a while. But they did end up having a fallout. And so just because, okay, so on two sides, one, just because you have girlfriends doesn't mean that you have motive or there's motive to get rid of your wife. But that also doesn't mean that there isn't motive. Just because she knows about the relationship what if you fall in love with one of them? And then you're like, well, I love her. Now I got to get rid of this one. Well, and I think what you and I can agree on here over beers is that regardless of what their relationship <laughs> don't was. Look at, don't look at me in the eyes when you say Regardless it. of what their relationship was and what the rules of their you know, engagement was. Right. That however they choose to live their lives doesn't make them good or bad based off of that. They're not, you can't throw them in the good person or bad person category just because of this. Oh, definitely not. So I, I I think here's what I want to do though. So I do want to bring up too, that there was also something else that was, go ahead. My point though, was that you can't, uh, you know, if it seems in this open relationship that if people are mature enough, then there wouldn't be jealousy issues. I'm just saying that that kind of stuff can stop on a dime mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, it's really not that big of a deal. And then one day it, it becomes a big deal. Exactly. I get you. Okay. All right. But the, the the one thing I wanted to bring up here as I see that we're running out of time and out of well, now that li- we're uh, liquid encouragement. Well, now that we're open marriage experts <laughs> and swinger experts. Dr. Laura. Uh, manning the phones. Well, I did meet a couple one time in the hot tub. You know. There you go. At one point, uh, there was something that was learned during police questioning. And remember the members of a local security service having been seen talking to the police outside the Seavers' home? Yeah. And even entering the home? 
Well, they had a security system. Yes. Yes. You're exa- they had the Seavers owned, and which, if you can afford it, I, I recommend this to everyone. Get this a security system. This is not system. a paid sponsor. They owned a home security system. The police found uh-huh. the system to be in good working and operating fashion. The home was being monitored by the security company. So why and how did the attacker or attackers get into the good doctor's home and attack her? Right. The, the police had the security monitoring company out at the crime scene because they wanted them to, they wanted them to be able to decipher something very important. The police wondered, could the attacker, could, could they have somehow tricked the security system? Mm-hmm. Or did they know the code? Right. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing you do have to wonder, obviously, or maybe Teresa had just disarmed the alarm when she got there and did not set it uh, when the attacker decided to enter the home or get into the home, which is possible. The other possibility is that the family was gone on vacation, the whole family, uh, and they were having Teresa's mother, Mark's mother, Mark's mother, my bad, Mark's mother come into the house and walk, uh, look after the dogs. Yeah, so they have dogs. Uh, Mark's mother, Bonnie Seavers. They here, here's we should be clear. The monitoring company emphatically told the police they th- this system has not been interfered with. Right. Nobody tricked this system. So then they have to figure out. Okay, was the system on and off? And they can get these records, and they got them from the monitoring company. Uh huh. What they were able to conclude from talking to Bonnie Seavers, Mark's mother, as well as going to the records of the times that the monitoring system was armed or disarmed. Well, and also talking with Mark as well. Yeah, that the dogs were to be let out and fed a few times each day. And Bonnie Seavers would come over two or three times a day, usually in the morning and then again in the evening, and she would collect the mail. She would feed the dog. She would let them out. These sorts of things. According to the monitoring records on Sunday morning, Bonnie Seavers, just after 8 a.m., she reactivated the alarm system. Then later that day, this is around 4 p.m., Mark Seavers from all the way in Connecticut spoke on the phone with his mother. Mm -hmm. She had had some, she said that she had had some trouble with the Seavers alarm system. It wasn't working or operating the way she thought it should. And Mark at that point instructed his mother that since this was on Sunday, that since she was having trouble with it, it wouldn't be necessary for her to set the alarm when she left for the last time that day, because Teresa would be home later that night. Right. So at four thirteen PM, Bonnie Seavers went to the home, tended to the dogs and left the Seavers residence without arming the alarm system. Until tomorrow, everybody stay safe out there. Be good, be kind, and don't litter.
where you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, let me just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. 